Rewinding. Rewinding Kaya FM on FM Rewind. Sidebar with Cindy. On Kaya FM 95.9. FM 95.9, home of the Afropolitan. The time is 7 o'clock and welcome to Sidebar Cindy with me, Dr. Cindy Sefansale. And this evening we're speaking about a serious um, condition, PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. Medical issues, sex and family, finance, parenting and emotional development. Sidebar with Cindy. Cindy. Every Monday to Thursday, 7 to 8 p.m. on Kaya FM 95.9. Kaya FM 95.9, home of the Afropolitan. Undate John will be back on Monday evening with another great show. But tonight on Sidebar Cindy, we're speaking about PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. If you've missed any of the um, podcasts from my show, you can catch them at kayafm.co.za. Click on FM Rewind and then click on Sidebar Cindy and you can catch up there. If you're not in Gauteng, you can listen to us online at kayafm.co.za. You can also listen to us on DSTV's audio bouquet on channel 861. Tonight's show is about PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. And um, what it is, is that when something traumatic has happened to someone, um, after a period of time, that person might start suffering what we recognize as PTSD, post-trauma stress disorder, where you are unable to, to, you know, anything related to the situation, the traumatic situation you went through um, makes you anxious, makes you nervous. It could have been a car accident. And after the, after the incident, you're unable to drive. You're afraid of cars. You're afraid of, afraid of driving down that road where the accident happen, happened. And the important thing is that every person's journey and struggle with PTSD is unique and it's important to get help. I think what we're going to try and highlight throughout the show is the symptoms of PTSD so that you can recognize if you're going through it and get the help that you need because it can be quite debilitating and um, you need to know what the symptoms are so you can get the help that you need. We'll be taking your calls on 86 The hashtag on social media is Sidebar Cindy and the other hashtag is KFM Talk. And I'll be joined by Faith Mnyamini who is a social worker, private social worker from Imani Psychosocial Solutions. But before we take your calls, let's take a listen to this clip. Lindo Gushengosi is a writer currently based in Johannesburg. In 2017, she lived in the Eastern Cape as a student and experienced a series of violent attacks during several break-ins into her home. In each of these incidents, the assailants were armed and on some occasions, she found herself physically fighting to save her life. That period, she says, resulted in her suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder, or PTSD, which in fact compounded another condition she had called general anxiety disorder, which she'd been diagnosed of a few years before. And so when in 2018, exactly a year after the first break-in, she got a serious panic attack, she realized that it was time to seek for help. So I first went to a psychologist who said, she, I'm not ready for cognitive behavior therapy. She was like, you're too wired. You're too scared. You need to learn how to soften again. You need to learn how to be here again. Anything that I say to you is going to go back into that place of fear. So you need you need drugs at least for three months. Then you'll come back and we'll start CBT. But there's no way I'd be taking your money and wasting your money. But I was just like, that was your son, yeah, I literally, I remember I was sitting in the parking lot. And I called my mom. I was like, no, mama, I think Like, I need drugs. I think and I guess it was defensiveness, but I'm like, it should feel difficult. I'm going through a difficult time. It should feel difficult. I should cry. Why is she making me feel wrong for crying? Why is she telling me I need to be on drugs? So it felt like a judgment of my pain, like I'm not supposed to be expressing this way. 
Sidebar with Cindy, Cindy. on Kaya FM 95.9. Kaya FM 95.9, home of the Afropolitan. And that clip that you just listened to was, um, you know, Uli Nogulengosi explaining what happened to her, the trauma that she experienced, and then the post-traumatic stress disorder that manifested around a year later. And you can listen to that clip and other clips on In Therapy or from the Kaya FM website that's hosted by Ungle Bagazi, kayafm.co.za, and click on podcasts and listen to the full episode. So as I said, um, you know, PTSD is a serious condition. And we know that in our country, that a lot of people have suffered, um, you know, levels of violence and, and, and other, you know, traumatic situations. But PTSD is something that we need to speak about. So if, you, if, you, if you've if you suffered something and later on you have symptoms that you can't recognize, hopefully after tonight's show, you'll be able to understand what you're going through and get the help that you need. So online, I'm joined by Faith Mnyamini, a private social worker from um, Imani Psychosocial Solutions. Um, good evening, Faith, and welcome to Sidebar Cindy. Good evening, Dr. Cindy. Thank you very much for the opportunity and good evening to your listeners as well. It's always great to have you on the show and I look forward to all the insights that you'll be bringing to the show. I think the first thing that we need to do, um, Faith, is to define what post-traumatic stress disorder is. Sure. I mean, obviously, just to also break it down even further, first we need to understand exactly also what is what is trauma itself you know um, often people experience trauma obviously after being exposed to an overwhelming um, situation where emotions are actually overwhelmed and what post-traumatic stress disorder basically is is that delayed reaction to those kind of traumatic symptoms and we talk about physical symptoms and physical physical and emotional symptoms which you might address a little bit later mm-hmm. um, but the fact that it's the delayed reaction um, you know to the traumatic incidents um, it, it means that often you'd find that a person would react to a, to a traumatic incident a few weeks after the incident. Sometimes you find somebody who's been raped or um, a child passed away or a family member passed away, but they only start reacting, you know, some time later mm. um, to a point where it's uncontrollable, it's overwhelming, and it often then starts to interfere with the daily life, um, such that physical symptoms, I mean, I've mentioned, I've, I've heard the clip as well, where the physical uh, symptoms such as panic attacks started happening to, to one of the listeners. Yeah. And and Faith, I think the the important thing is for people to understand that when you've gone through something traumatic, we don't all respond in the same way. So some people are able to to experience something traumatic and and get through it on their own, but others as a, as as you've pointed out, it'll manifest later. So it's not a sign of weakness. It's not it's not that you're not strong enough to handle the thing that has happened. We just react to stress and trauma in different ways. Correct. That's very, very correct, Dr. Cindy. Um, That's why I had to first explain what trauma is, because there's trauma, then there's post-traumatic stress disorder. And of late, we are also experiencing or we are seeing also what would be referred as, um, you know, what then would be post or sorry, complex post-traumatic stress disorder or sometimes secondary, um, you know, post-traumatic stress disorder. These are sort of a multiple or uh, um, what you call a series of events, like as you had on the clip, where I always think of South Africa, you know, people who were involved in the struggle. I mean, if you meet a lot of those guys who really fought for us during apartheid, it's a typical example of the, the kind of emotional stress. We have, yes, we're very grateful for what they've done. They've done so much for the country. But if you if you're also to have to sit down and look at the amount of trauma, really, that they had to go through as prisoners of war, essentially, who had to go to exile and so forth, um, you, you would experience or see sometimes some of those emotional outbursts, um, you know, those those, those symptoms such as 
you know, uh, feeling that the world is dangerous, the world is not a safe place. Mm. Um, if you were to look at the older generation versus the new generation and sit down with an old chap, they would even tell you the world is not safe. You know, it's the kind of trauma that they've had to experience over the years. And because it's been repetitive, because it's been done over and over, um, it, it sort of becomes sort of a normalized way of life mm. and, and seeing the world, basically. Yeah. And we know that in South Africa, um, you know, the lifetime prevalence for post-traumatic stress disorder in the general population is estimated at 2.3%. And, um, you know, considering the, the levels of violence that we're exposed to, it's no, it's no surprise that we're sitting at that, at that um, estimate. If we look at, um, you know, countries, well, if you look at Western Europe, their lifetime prevalence of PTSD is around 1%, you know. So it's, it's, not, it's not, you know, that much lower, but it is lower than what we are faced with. Um, you know, and, and the most effective approach for long-term severe PTSD is is talking therapy, like seeing a clinical psychologist. Um, and that's not always easy for people. It's either, you know, access is a problem or you yourself don't feel it's necessary to talk to someone. So, how you know, what would you say, um, Faith, is the best way to encourage people to go and, to go and speak to someone? Mm, mm, sure. Um, I mean, honestly, because quite a lot of these symptoms have been somewhat normalized, you know, mm. um, and, and I'll, I'll, I'll make a very simple example. How many of us in our families, we know that this child has been repeatedly raped by Umalume, the uncle? You know, but we keep it under the wrap as an example. Um, and the child would over time, for instance, for instance, um, you know, experience some of these sort of symptoms. But because of family knowing and keeping issues sort of sacrosanct and within the family, it, 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 to some extent, it, it's things that are kept under wraps. And mm. obviously, because of those kind of beliefs and understandings and so forth, and that, no, let's sit down and talk about it. Um, it it's not just children who are being exposed to abuse. It's also um, relation, relationships, women and men who are in domestic violence situations, uh, where repeatedly, you know, this person goes back home and says, look, I'm abused, but go back, go back, you're married, you can't come back home. Those kind of things are a sign of how... Um, Somehow this has been sort of normalized to, to, to a large extent that, you know, it's also part of the societal values of, no, you must stay in the house or mm. we keep issues within the family. So it makes it difficult, honestly, for people to seek help. But when that situation happens and people are becoming more and more liberated and, and, and educated and, um, you know, and, and, and getting informed about these things, um, even if it's talking to maybe if it's a school child, the teacher, telling a teacher about it who might maybe even call the nearest social worker because they are more accessible. Mm. I mean, in many uh, uh, communities where relatively uh, there's this poor background, it's difficult to even access uh, um, a psychologist, mm. let alone a social worker. So speaking at least to the nearest official, um, you know, whom you might trust, and also taking advantage of other telephonic lines that are available, like we've got SADAC, the South African um, Depression Anxiety Group. Um, there's also um, a national line that government has provided for counseling. 24 hours is counselors available 24 hours. So we can, you know, obviously share some of these numbers perhaps at the end of the show, but people know that they can speak out um, and there are resources available to start talking about things that are perpetually putting them in traumatic and repeated traumatic situations. And and in your experience, um, Faith Mnyamini, um, how difficult is it for for patients to, to speak about what they've gone through? Um, you know, how many sessions does it take for a person to come out with, with, with what, what has happened? What's your experience? 
sure. Um, <clears throat> look, there's, uh, it depends on the approach of the therapist. Um, I'm a very, I apply a solution-focused approach, so that's more short-term. It's a short-term approach. I've mostly had to apply it with, um, you know, uh, victims of trauma, you know, trauma, and to some extent, post-traumatic uh, um, incidences, I've had to deal with that. But you find that with cases where it's more a long-term requirement, um, you'd be looking at about 10-plus sessions, mm-hmm. whereas I'm more specialized in about three, four, five sessions because I'm, I'm more solution-focused and the kind of approach I use is more vigorous in, in a very short space of time. And you find that it does work to a large extent to also the, 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 the clients that I would have. However, um, with cases of post-traumatic stress disorder or the complexities also of repeated um, trauma, though, you know, we would normally encourage um, not just you know psychotherapy but also treatment, um, depending on the severity of the case, treatment in terms of medication. So you could go to either um, a psychologist, a clinical psychologist who could obviously um, you know provide the, the treatment or also a psychiatrist who could also recommend you know the dosage and so forth. Um, but obviously those are some you know short-term interventions that could be suggested, but psychotherapy being a long-term approach. So you have um, people who do it depending on the, on the on the approach of the therapist short term, mm-hmm. and you have those also who prefer the long term, um, you know, psychotherapy approach. But it obviously depends on the severity of, of the, the trauma, and I must emphasize yeah. that yeah, the severity of the trauma. Yeah. Okay, so you're listening to Sidebar, Cindy. With me, I'm Dr. Cindy Sefansel. And this evening, we're speaking about a serious condition, PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. And I'm chatting to Faith Mnyamini, a social worker from Imani Psychosocial Solutions. And we're taking your calls on 86 The hashtags on social media, Sidebar, Cindy, and the other hashtag is KFM Talk. And um, we really just, we want to make sure that by the end of the show, you you know you can recognize if you're suffering from PTSD and get the necessary help that you need to get you through it. And so, Faith, how common is PTSD in in children? Um, you know, do you see children in your practice um, at all? Yes, definitely, definitely. In fact, I I love I love children. I love seeing children, and unfortunately, we do we do, and and not because children are abused in most cases by even strangers. Sadly, in most cases that I've seen in my experience, and I mean, every therapist has their own um, experience, um, in most often children are actually abused by their own family members, mm. people that they would have trusted. Remember you're talking about somebody who's vulnerable, somebody who, who is trusting, easily trusting and gullible. Um, and sort of this repeated behavior that you find that children are exposed to, for instance, it could even be indirect, like domestic violence, mm. where a child is repeatedly seeing domestic violence in the home environment, or a child is being sexually abused by um, a loved one or, you know, some a relative in the family. Um, you know, childhood neglect that children who are sometimes neglected by their own um, parents, um, that has an effect on, on a lot of children. Um, so, so there are many cases where children are, are left to the demise of their own trusted family members, their own parents and loved ones. Unfortunately, I do experience a lot of that. And it is quite prevalent. But like I said, there's also the belief of keeping issues sacrosanct and keeping them within the family. Um, sometimes I experience children who are, you know, pastors children. And, and I'm sorry to say this, but I've, I've been seeing that sort of being on the rise because there is this view of 
don't tell, you know, you mm. do it for the family, let's keep it within. Um, or children from perhaps relatively rich or well-known um, family members, maybe the father is the CEO of whichever company, company or the mm. mother is not. Very true. So these are some of the dilemmas that children face. And because they remain vulnerable, even for them to get help, for them to get counseling, becomes a challenge because it still depends on those loved ones who would, in most cases, then be perpetually um, continuing the trauma. But something yeah. always shows yeah, faith. Yeah, yeah. I, I think you know what people need to understand about children is that even if they don't speak out, they'll act out in some way. You'll see, you'll see a difference in the behavior of the child, and that'll alert you to the fact that something is wrong. Correct. Correct. Very true. And that's why I, I did initially say that, um, you know, the teachers also um, need to be involved. The community members need to be involved, um, you know, because things like abuse and, 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 and trauma to children um, are things that obviously children would, would sort of exp- or express them through play or through behavior, also to become teenagers and so forth. Um, these are things that I believe it's not just the responsibility of the therapist to pick up when they come for counseling, if they ever do, um, but also the community is equally responsible. Then the, 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 the nanny or the caregiver, the, the secondary caregiver who might be assisting in the family when they pick up this, they also have a responsibility. But again, Dr. Cindy, like I'm saying, because of the, um, you know, the belief that we keep issues within the family, mm. a lot of people really remain uh, or they suffer in fact, um, because of you know trying to protect the family or what would be in the interest of the Kumano name or the you know our, our mom being this person in community or our father being the pastor and so forth. Okay, but after the, after the break, we'll speak about PTSD in adults. But for now, just before we go for the break, what would therapy entail for a child that you that has not been recognised as suffering from PTSD, post traumatic mm. stress disorder? Yes. 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 Look, it depends on obviously the age group of the child. Yeah. Um, you know, play therapy is often what would be, you know, applied in therapy. So, for example, some children would be easily expressive in writing. So, you find the child would maybe draw his family, you know, the, his family or her family, or would draw people in his life. I mean, different therapists would use different approaches to sort of elicit um, the kind of information that might be required. Some children would rather you know, talk about it, but in, in a space where um, maybe it's through play. So the, the therapist would use things like, um, not drawing, but you'd use things like uh, items such as uh, dolls and, and, and um, toys, you know, just to, to elicit that play environment. Um, and depending, like I said, on the age of the children, for example, children are about um, 9, 10, those are more free to talk mm. um, and, and I find them open in most cases as well. Even now, I just came from my practice, I just saw three children this afternoon. So it, it, just, it just depends on um, the kind of approach that works for the child. I'm not very rigid in my practice and most therapists are also like that. They try different approaches to see what could work. But play therapy, most likely for younger children and the older they become, obviously, um, it's a bit easier to actually have that sort of talk therapy with them as well.
Okay. Well, after the break, we'll focus on PTSD in adults. And I think the, the best example we can use, especially in our context, is hijacking. Um, and, and, and then, you know, we can use that as an example and work through that so that people can recognize the symptoms of PTSD, um, you know, post-traumatic stress disorder. And this evening, I'm chatting to Faith Nyameni, a social worker from Emani Psychosocial Solutions. And we're talking about PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. And um, just after this clip from Lindogutle Gunkosi, we'll be going into more detail about the symptoms, the signs and symptoms of PTSD using hijacking as an example. But before that, let's listen to this clip from Lindo Gutlengos. I'm losing a lot of people because I'm realizing that our friendships weren't based on like a mutual compassion. We had fun together or we drank together um, or I was the impulsive friend who'd be like, oh, let's just drive to Durban immediately now. You know what I mean? People are sad. They miss that mm. Linda Gutle. She's gone. I'm just like, so there's a lot of people who miss that and a lot of people who, the boundaries that I'm putting up now, it's sudden for them. They're not going to therapy with me. They're not learning or discovering the things that I'm discovering about myself. Um, so in the way that I have to learn myself, they have to learn me. And sometimes the me that they're discovering is not somebody that they like. Sidebar with Cindy on the home of the Afropolitan. Kaya FM 95.9, home of the Afropolitan, Saipal Cindy with me, um, Dr. Cindy Siwe Fansale. And that clip was Lindongutlengosi. Um, she was a victim of a series of violent crimes and she found herself physically fighting to save her life. And she suffered from PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, a year later. So you can listen to the rest of that clip um, on In Therapy from the Kaya FM website. You go to kayafm.co.za, click on podcasts and click on um, In Therapy and listen to Linda Gutter speaking to Umna Bagazi. But coming back to the show, I'm chatting to Faith Minyameni, a social worker from, from Imani Psychosocial Solutions, and we're speaking about, um, you know, PTSD. And I've asked Faith to, to talk us through the symptoms of PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, using hijacking as an example. Mm-hmm. So Faith, I think um, yeah, it's important for the listeners to know, you know, what the symptoms of PTSD are. So you've been hijacked. So it's, it's, a, it's a Thursday evening. You're hijacked um, outside your home or somewhere in Johannesburg. Um, what what then happens after that? Sure, sure. Look, and like I said earlier, that for me to explain post-traumatic distress, I mean, stress disorder, I would have to explain what trauma is initially. Mm, yes. And typically, because I'll take you through the process, obviously I get hijacked today or I've been held at gunpoint or the car is taken or whether, you know, they're, they're driving with me, whatever the incident is. Um, typically would experience what you call typical trauma symptoms. They can be both physical and emotional. Um, and I get this a lot from clients obviously coming in a few days after the trauma incident, um, such as a hijacking and a rape, etc. Um, and emotionally, you, you, you'd find the, the, the client experiencing shock, um, denial, disbelief, anger, being irritable. Mood strings are very, very common. Um, guilt, uh, self-blame and, and fear, sadness, hopelessness, confusion, lack of concentration, um, you know, Flashbacks are also quite common with drawing from people. Also, you'd find that it happens quite often and feeling disconnected from the world in general. Mm-hmm. And it's important for, for, for family members and friends to be supportive of someone going through trauma, um, you know, and not just take it as she's moody or she's going through uh, or she's exaggerating as an example, he's exaggerating, because these are normal symptoms post a traumatic event. Mm-hmm. Um, and physically, some experience insomnia, really struggling to sleep or having nightmares, um, you know, or, uh, um, 
repeated nightmares sometimes that elicit um, fear and, 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 and anxiety. Um, and often you'd find that the heart races quite fast when mm. you're going through trauma. Um, aches and pains, a lot of people complain about that. They look like, I don't know what's happening, but my body's so painful. Mm. And, and it's not like they beat me or anything, but it's just so painful. So it's very common fatigue. Um, difficulty concentrating, especially if you go back to work or school. Um, edginess and, and agitation, muscle tension, etc. So these are normal. These are normal symptoms of trauma. And we expect them to happen, in fact, within the first seven days to about two weeks in, in, a, in a typical trauma situation. However, someone who experiences post-traumatic stress disorder would have to experience these symptoms um, often after the normal range, which is about seven days to, to, to two weeks, um, you know, a few weeks after the trauma, that's when you find the person now starting to have these symptoms of stress complaints. And often they are now even more um, overwhelming or, or, or somewhat exaggerated, if I can put it like that. So the nightmares are so intense. As an example, um, the shock is just too much. Um, flashbacks, it's just if the person is reliving the, the exact incidents again, that hijack again. Um, shaking, you know, the person would start to shake even as they narrate the story to you sitting in that therapy session, for example. Um, some would even sweat, really, like I said, the physical symptoms. Mm. So with someone with post-traumatic stress disorder, the, the symptoms become... Um, you know, exaggerated, they become too much. Um, and, and the feelings that the world is dangerous, very, very common. They don't trust anything. And that's, that's why I had one of the, uh, on the clip, one of the listeners mentioning that she eventually um, was diagnosed with general anxiety disorder. It's very yes. common, obviously, because now the, the general view of the world begins to change after a loss of trust, um, even of loved ones or even, um, you know, of, of, of people that you used to trust as well, even though they didn't attack you or they were not the ones to, to do that on you. Um, avoiding situations also very, very common. You find the person not wanting to go out anymore. Um, Not wanting to drive or drive in that area. Yes, yes. Yes, um, not wanting to stop at the robots or would yes. rather not be at the... Some would even, you know, avoid driving at certain times. For example, say it happened in the morning, um, they'd avoid that time, or it happened in the evening, they'd avoid driving mm. at those, at those times. Um, and like I'm saying, some would even go to the extent of literally having those physical symptoms, even nausea, um and, and literally vomiting in, in, in as they narrate the story, difficult sleeping, like like I've said, and some would not even want to, to shave in a loud voice. So the sound of children playing outside could literally be irritating for somebody with post-traumatic stress disorder. And the, how do you see the symptoms? It's when they happen even post the incidents, um, seven days post or about seven to two weeks post the incidents, and it's heightened, it feels real for the person, and it stays, um, it, sorry, it occurs actually for a longer period yeah. um, than expected. So these are commonly the symptoms. So you're listening to Sidebar Cindy with me, Dr. Cindy Sefansel, and I'm talking to Faith Mnyameni, a private social worker, about post-traumatic stress disorder. And the other thing as well to point out, Faith, is that when someone has gone through something traumatic, and, and they start manifesting symptoms of, of, of PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. Mm-hmm. It's important, you know, to take whatever they, they say to you seriously. I, I think a lot of us, you know, oh, no, don't worry about it. You'll be fine. Hang in there. Um, you know, keep praying or, or you know, just, just, you know st- just stop thinking about it. We can't afford mm-hmm. to do that. Mm, mm, very true. Um, it, it's actually said that our society sort of does not take issues of the 
emotions and mental illness quite seriously. Mm. Um, we, we often are concerned about, you know, I've got a headache, you know, I've got a stomach ache. If someone can physically show you where the pain is, often that's where we are understanding. And, and, and sometimes I see that also with employees who say, well, my employer doesn't seem to even get the fact that, um, I'm, I'm, sorry, I'm having shortness of breath. Um, you know, it, it's one of the listeners has also mentioned example of panic attacks because often these are not symptoms that one could say this is a headache or mm-hmm. uh, easily diagnosed even uh, because it, some doctors would pick it up and, and, and some wouldn't. Um, you know, sometimes you'd have to really refer the client with what you pick up to the GP so that the GP can also um, obviously administer accordingly. But Sadly, it's also because of the education that we, we don't have much information on what to do when someone is experiencing anxiety because traumatic, post-traumatic stress disorder is a form of anxiety disorder um, because it's the repeated thoughts and, and experiences of horrible events playing over and over and in over again mind, yes. in the mind yes, of, of the, um, the, the particular individual, the particular victim. So it's... It, True, I agree with you. Limited information, and, and so some people would rather suffer inside. Um, you hear a lot of people coming to, say, to my session saying, I thought I was strong. Um, I, I don't know where that comes from. I, I think maybe it's, it's how we are raised, that we should be strong. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know, but um, there's no such thing as being strong. We, we all have the emotional capacity to experience fear, to cry. I even say, even Jesus himself wept. You know what I mean? We, 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 we don't have to hide how we feel yeah. um, about certain situations and be open about it and seek help. That's why there are professions like psychologists, social workers, therapists, um, you know, psycho, I mean, psychiatrists and, and so forth. Yes. And I know that after certain traumatic uh, incidents, the police services will, will, will sometimes yeah. offer the services of a, con- uh, of a counsellor, um, you know, whether it's for yourself or your family. And I encourage people to take up those services. And I think through that session, you can then determine if you're going to need further therapy after that. Mm-hmm. Very true. Um, it's actually quite sad. I, I think I've, I've not... So far, I had a great experience with victims who had to go through, obviously, reporting. There are obviously some incidences where, you know, um, subsofficial will take really such cases seriously. Um, but I'd also suppose because of how such cases are not probably taken as a priority, you know, um, that you come in, you're crying, um, are you fine? Did they beat you? No, they didn't beat me. Did they uh, harm you? No. Okay, then you're fine. Then they prioritize someone who's been killed, as an example. So sometimes you find people really feeling despondent after having to report a case. Um, that's why you find some cases being opened and, and then eventually, they would, you know, um, and, 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 and not follow through the case, as an example. Um, I, I do, and I still do hope that we can improve our our system in that regard. There are great, um, you know, sub-officials who do their job quite great, um, but I think there is always room for improvement in that regard because I, I always say I think that's what determines whether the victim is likely to proceed with the case. And, and recover. Okay. Yeah. So we're taking your calls on 86 I'm chatting to Faith Mnyamini, a private social worker, and we're speaking about PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, a very serious condition that, you know, you can get help, um, whether it's psychotherapy, um, and, you know, if, 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 if necessary, you might need um, medication from a psychiatrist or even a hospital admission just to help you get through, um, you know, the, 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 the trauma 
of, of what you've experienced. And what Faith has been pointing out is that the PTSD you know, manifests seven days or beyond the, the, the trauma that you've experienced. And um, for some people, it might be avoidance of a situation that reminds them of, of what they went through. And in this case, we're using hijacking as an example. So you might start avoiding that road that, that, that um, the hijacking happened. You might not want to drive at all. You, you know, you might start shaking each time you get close to your car. Um, you might be worried about people crossing the road, you know, feeling as if they're coming towards you and so on. Those are all signs of PTSD and you need to get help for you to get through them and become, you know, functional again because it can be debilitating and it can affect your, your day-to-day living. So... Yeah. Taking calls on 86 0059 You can SMS on 36959. And the hashtags on social media, Sidebar Cindy, and the other hashtag is um, KaiFM Talk. So, um, Faith, when you need to refer someone for medication, um, you'll, you'll refer them to a general practitioner, a general doctor, who can then you know, refer to a psychiatrist. Uh, look, it's, it's, it's all case specific. Um, it all depends, obviously, on what you would have assessed. There are some cases that you could pick up that it, it's quite a mild um, traumatic incident, um, and, and, and then you'd monitor, obviously, because you'd have follow-up sessions. I, um, I would sometimes then say to the, to, the, to the client, look, you've got options. You can either, obviously, consider looking at medication um, as, a, as an option also to subsidize counseling, um, or because these symptoms are typically normal. You know, the, like I said, in the first few weeks, very normal to experience those symptoms. And they normally or naturally subside on their own. They subside. Sometimes people would experience a challenge with, with sleeping um, and anxiety. Um, that's when I'll say, let's monitor it and see maybe in, in seven days' time how it is. And in most cases, with the normal cases of trauma, um, the client will come back and say, look, I'm okay now. Look, they've subsided. It's not as intense as it was. But the difference with post-traumatic stress disorder is that what happened, the, the incident itself feels so vivid. It feels so live, even weeks after it has happened. And yes. so those are severe cases, obviously. And because of that, um, you know, even after two weeks or after two months, it feels like it happened just now. Like I'm saying, those sweat, those have nausea, and all those things are indicative of the level at which the, the, the person might either they need to be um, straight up referred to a psychiatrist. Um, in, in some cases, or in most cases, rather, it finds that the, the person already has an existing condition of anxiety and he's already, you know, has a psychiatrist so it's a matter of just, you know, connecting with the psychiatrist and getting themselves help. Um, but for some, it's actually the first time they have to go through this and mm. they might need to go through the GP and then get the referral also to um, the psychiatrist. Okay. Um, and I mean, um, with private, that's obviously with private facilities, um, but we also are aware that the bulk majority of our South Africans are rather unemployed or unable to afford such services. These are also available in public hospitals. Um, you know, you can just go to a public hospital and, um, you know, speak to obviously the, the, the officials and, and, and express obviously what the condition is. Um, in some cases, they'll put you into psychiatric ward depending on the severity of the case. Um, but again, it depends on the resources of, of that particular public hospital. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so taking calls on 086 We have Untlantla calling us from Johannesburg. Um, hi, Untlantla, welcome to the show. Hi, Doctor, how are you doing? Good, thank you. Hi to your guests as well. Um, my case is kind of very, I'm not too sure how to explain it. I grew up in a very domestic violence home. Okay, um, I'm approaching my 40s right now, and it's 
only starting to show like in a couple of years ago. I'm very angry. Mm. Um, very angry at my mom for staying in an abusive relationship. And I approached both my parents and they kind of apologized and they tried to, you know, work me through it. But I, I, I can't get over it. Mm-hmm. And I think from their side, it's like, you're over it, so you must also be okay. And I'm not coping very well. My relationship is not working very much because I'm really angry all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm fighting. I'm, I'm just snapping. And I think in the last six months or so, I've actually literally withdrawn from everything that I used to do. And I don't know how to deal with it. I've gone to a psychologist, but I don't think she's helping much because all I do is just speak. And I think at the end of every session that we have, it's like, I think I'm okay. But then I come back and I really go into a deep depression. I, I just, I don't know how, what to do. I, I just need help. Okay. Um, Faith, Unklanta's situation is quite a difficult one because she is in therapy, she is getting help, but she's not she's not moving past what happened to her in her in her childhood. Sure. Yeah. Look, like I said, each case is different. If you look at what domestic violence does is it's indicative of what we call um uh, complex post traumatic stress disorder because this child has been perpetually exposed to the abuse in the house. Mm-hmm. To the parents, it could have been a situation where after two, three years or whatever, they've forgiven each other and they've moved on from it. But often, like you mentioned earlier, the impact of, of such things on children is, is that it's quite daunting. And why is it quite daunting, more especially for children, is because the primary years are the most gullible. It's like yes. a sponge. You know, that's when the most of information has actually been attained. And the later years, it's, it's just an addition, to, you know, relatively, because about 80% of child develop, uh, development happens by the child, the time the child tends um, three years. So if you can really look at what is happening now to our listener is um, the effect of obviously the domestic abuse um, and problems that are very common with children in that environment is problems with relationships. Relationship issues are very common because the snapping, the anger, often is typical of what the child could have experienced in, in the earlier, earlier years. She probably has a negative view now about the world. Even if the, the, the parents, after a few years, became pastors, for example, in our world or in her husband's world, he would be marrying a pastor's daughter and, that, and, the, and the husband would be expecting the daughter to behave as such. Mm. But what we're forgetting is the foundation. This child's foundation was exposed to perpetual violence. Yeah. And that has played a significant role. Um, so I wouldn't just really recommend just counseling and, and, and maybe if it means sometimes looking at that point, I'm, I'm one person who's also open to my clients. They look, um, you can also consider seeing a different therapist. I'm yeah. that open. Getting a second opinion, yeah. Exactly, getting a different opinion. And sometimes really, uh, Dr. Cindy, I might not be, the, the my approach might not really work for this particular client. You know, like I said, a more short-term base, a more, you know, problem solution focus, and often it works for for the kind of people that approach me, but you might find others require a more long-term approach. And I think that's what the the caller needs to understand. What she has gone through requires long-term therapy because the... The, the effects of, of domestic abuse are actually quite daunting. So I would not even be surprised that actually even therapy could be, you know, working, like she's saying, on some days it's, it's okay. But because it's a long-term 
um, psychotherapy that is required. It might mean she needs to be patient with the process, forgive herself, forgive her parents for it. Sometimes it requires she to sit down and really say, forgive you guys. We're chatting about PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, and um, the symptoms of it and what you can do to get help. I'm chatting to Faith Mnyameni, a private social worker from Imani Psychosocial Solutions. We're taking your calls on 86 You can SMS us on 36959, hashtags on social media, um, sidebar Cindy and KFM Talk. So coming back to you, um, Faith Mnyameni, one of, one of the things that um, I'm, I'm always concerned about is that a lot of people are reluctant to be admitted into hospital with a mental um, you know, health condition. And I know that for some patients, um, therapy will happen, but that's not enough. You might need to be admitted and be under care for 21 days under the care for, of a psychiatrist and an in-house psychologist. Um, what, what, what prevents people from wanting to go to, to a mental um, wellness um, center? in your experience? Sure. Um, again, it goes back to, you know, how we've been conditioned. It's, it's, it's how we've been raised to believe that um, mental illness is a sign of weakness. So, you know, you must solve your own problems. You you, you must step out of it, you know, get out of it. Um, and you're seeing this a lot happening in, in our society. Um, the belief that everything, some or, or most things in life, uh, are just the one, you know, uh, one-step solution. Sometimes you need to take five steps really to get to the solution, um, and and that's why mental health institutions are also there to sort of assist and, and alleviate some of these conditions um, that people go through. So it goes back to psychoeducation that we need to re-educate ourselves as a society that there's really nothing wrong when you're overwhelmed with life situations. There's nothing wrong after giving birth as a woman and you can't cope with having the baby and you need extra assistance or you need to be admitted. There's nothing wrong as a father when you feel overwhelmed with responsibilities. As a child, a teenager going through exams and it's too much, there's nothing wrong with talking about it and seeking therapy. So it's really conscientizing our community again about how important it is to realize when um, your brain is actually in a state where it's overwhelmed. Um, whether it's through anxiety, depression, um, PTSD as a form of anxiety in itself, um, or based on an incident like hijacking, rape, it's okay. It's okay to talk about it. It's okay to seek medical assistance if it's that extreme and you need to be admitted into a mental health institution. So slowly but surely, um, you know, our society is moving towards, you know, acknowledging that. Um, but I think we need to do more and more and more awareness as well. And, and you know, Faith Miyamini, the one thing that I come across a lot in my line of work is that mm-hmm. where a family has swept an issue under the carpet, then you're older, then you're angry and you're lashing out. Um, then there's a confrontation and, and, they, and they take everything lightly. Mm-hmm. Working through that is probably the hardest thing, especially if it's your mom, if it's a primary caregiver, a person that you trusted. So how do you recommend that people... Um, confront um, primary caregivers, be whether it's Ukoko or Umama or Baba, who you felt could have defended you, but they chose not to and they protected the person that was um, violating you. Okay, you. It's a very difficult thing to do, and I do acknowledge it, and, and I think it's what the previous caller also is, is sort of dealing with to a large extent. I. I I do in, in my short term therapy I encourage a lot of 
managing expectations. One of the um, treatment solutions I, I advocate for is manage your expectations, manage your expectations, essentially because that's all you have control over. It's all you have control over. You can approach your mother and say, Ma, I don't like the way you raised me. You were absent or I saw the abuse and I'm, I'm confronting the situation. You guys think I had a great life because you took me to private school, but I actually saw the abuse. I saw daddy doing this to you or mommy mm-hmm. doing that to you. Um, confront the situation if you can and you feel you are ready for it with no expectations. As painful as that can be, but you need to be ready to actually deal with whatever reaction you might get. Mm. It might not be what you expect because often I hear people saying, but oh mama, I mean, she should have hugged me. She should have protected me. She just said sorry. Um, and because mommy is not going to say sorry at that confrontation mm-hmm. because they is not going to say um, I shouldn't have at that confrontation. They might even defend themselves, correct? Like saying, so, so put it on the carpet and say, no, you are the one who didn't see right or whatever the issue might be. Um, trying to approach them with no expectations, I have found to actually give um, a lot of uh, uh, victims and and clients a lot of power back because you are still in control of that conversation. You are still in control of that confrontation that you say in your mind out. So be goal-orientated. Have an intention when you go and approach the situation. My intention is, as I said, I'm going to approach my, I don't know, mother you know, for the fact that she allowed this man who was my stepfather mm. to raise me at night. And she heard me cry and she kept quiet because she was, you know, surviving, you know, through the income as an example. My intention of approaching my mother is not necessarily to get a story or reaction from her. My intention is I want to get this out of my border. I want to let it yeah. out of my system and I want to forgive her. That's it. I'm going there with a goal in mind, with an intention in mind, no expectation whatsoever. So a lot of people, and this is general, even in other relationships, a lot of people do things um, with expectations. And often two things like the expectations create disappointment and a sense of entitlement. You feel entitled to Isoriga Mam. You feel entitled to Isoriga Gogo. And you might not get it. And if you don't um, accept what is within your uh, um, locus of control mm. and... Um, Except that people will always react in a manner that they however wish, you will always be disappointed. And chances are, even if you go through therapy, you go through treatment, you might still not get the healing that you want because you still have expectations. But these are outside your control. You have people who are still grieving today and, and angry at someone who has died a long mm-hmm. time ago. They're and, still and, harboring and it, that anger. It, it paralyzes you. It's, it's like you're, you're, you're imprisoned in this emotion. Correct very very true because remember forgiveness actually does not liberate the doer it liberates the the, the victim the mm-hmm. one who actually was abused or, or was a victim so it's very important to realize the power of forgiveness i always advocate for self-forgiveness because every day we need to forgive ourselves every single day i even make an analogy and say jesus forgave us a long time ago but we're still not forgiving ourselves so every single day, we need to perpetually forgive ourselves. It's, it's, it's an intention, it's a deliberation that we need to come um, to, 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 to realize. It's not the fact that this man abused you. It's the fact that you stayed in that marriage and this man allowing this man to abuse you because you had 50% to say yes or no, continuing that relationship. So if you forgive yourself, you also forgive yourself for your part in it. But also common with post-traumatic stress disorder and the behavior is that a lot of people then get fixated into um, or focus on the abuser. Yeah. So um, to focus on the abuser, you're waiting for the abuser to come and say sorry. You're waiting for the abuser to say, I didn't mean it. That day might not come. 
Okay, so and what that means is you'll be in prison for a long time in your life. Okay, so we have enough time for one more caller. We have Ularato on the line. Um, hi, Ularato. Welcome to Sidebar, Cindy. Um, good day. Um, interesting. I just want to say that um, this is very. I think maybe this is very. I'm talking because I'm I'm actually heartbroken, but at the same time, I'm excited at the fact that I went through a recovery process mm. and I went through a very depressing episode which led to um, me being diagnosed with cataplexy. So uh, I went through a difficult divorce mm. and uh, over the years I didn't know that I was carrying a lot of hurt that was now leading me to actually having my emotions not to sort of uh, communicate with my mind. And as a result, every time I became excited or angry, I was in collapse. And then I can hear everything. I can see. I can hear everything. I can feel everything, but I can't move. And until I went through, uh, I went through all of those psychological, you know, um, I got help and spiritual and whatever, until I took a decision that, it starts with me and mm. I need to accept the what happened in the past and move forward and just ask God for complete healing of my mind and my body and my soul. So um, what you're talking about, a post-traumatic stress, I was not aware that I was going to do that. Yeah. I was really not aware that I was hurting that much. I knew that divorce was not nice, but years later, three, four years later, I then started having this condition. But as I'm speaking to you now, I'm, I'm, I can say I'm fully healed because it started with me taking control and saying, I can't do this anymore, mm. you know? Well, thank you so much, Lerato, and we're happy for your healing and thank you for sharing that with us. Thank you very much. So Faith, in closing, um, if people need help, if they've been listening and they feel that they may be suffering from PTSD, um, where, where can we get hold of you? Where can they get hold of you? Um, so my offices are in Midrand at Erand Gardens, um, at the Willows Office Park in Erand Gardens. Uh, my line is 011-655-7229. They can also go to MedPages and search for Faith Nyameni on MedPages. We are working on our website. Uh, since the last time I was there, I'm working also on being in the media space. So this is my developer. Our website should be up at imaniks.co.za. Um, that should be done up and done in a month's time. So by end of September, you can actually access my our company at Imani TS um, online. Alternatively, just Google Faith in Yemeni Private Practice. You'll be able to get my details also there. Okay, great stuff. It's always great having you on the show. And thank you so much for your insights. Sidebar with Cindy. Every Monday to Thursday, 7 to 8 p.m. On Kaya FM 95.9. Rewinding. Rewinding Kaya FM on FM Rewind. Visit kayafm.co.za for more.